0: Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of The Colour Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Colour Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning girls. How are you? And welcome to what is our sisterhood friendship table. And even as I just welcome you right now, my husband has just walked in the bedroom door. So praise God if you see a figure pass by, that's Brian. Hey, um, it is great to have you here and thanks for joining us. And this is actually our um, second week of our October Sisterhood Fight Club Month. Can you say that? Our October Sisterhood Fight Club Month. And um, again, just for anyone who's new or joining us, um, it's just an opportunity for us to stir the gift and the measure that is within us, hallelujah, and um, to stir up um, empathy and care and solution and to encourage one another, actually, to... um, be the change one way or another and so again fantastic to have you here wherever you are joining and whether in the rooms gathered or um, online somewhere in the world it's just fantastic amen are you well I hope that you are well girls you know feedback from last week um, was beautiful um, a lot of girls text after it and they said you know Bob that just felt like fire it felt like we were being fueled." in our spirits, to understand prayer again and to pray again. And you know what? That is never, ever a bad thing. And um, I just want to say, girls, if I may, on a personal note, because for me, this is a chance to engage with you and just pass to you and to love you. But um, it was actually good for me last week, personally, to be back in this space. And I've often said to you girls on many occasions, it's like something about sisterhood that just is grounding. It grounds me. And... um, you know, I think in many ways that's what calling does, right? That's what calling does. When we continue to rise up and put our hand to the plow of what we believe that God has called us to, somehow it just centers us. It centers us, and it um it just uh, puts all the noise of life circumstance into perspective. Okay, would you like a couple of praise reports? Amen. Would you like a praise report? I want to give you that to you. I know I've got some beautiful faces here on the screen. I have got the amazing and beautiful Cass Langton. Amen. So, Cass, how are you this morning? I'm very good. I
1: am (laughs) alive and well and happy and continuing to remember to unmute myself, but I'm good. And it's the last week of homeschooling, which I'm
0: very excited about. Okay. Well, that is exciting for you, eh, Amen. I don't have any children, but I have grandchildren. And it's also uh, amazing to have Mike Gore with us. So, Mike, we are so thrilled that you are here. And in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to talk, but good morning.
2: Good morning. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
0: (laughs) You are loving the fact that you are surrounded in a backdrop of pink with roses,
2: right? I thought, I'm like, I bet any guy that speaks at Sisterhood just makes some crack about like women or colors. And I thought, I'm going to avoid that. But yes, I am feeling relatively uncomfortable with (laughs) pink.
0: Well, you look very attractive. Uh, almost <laughs> to leave you in your with your normal background, but I thought, no, you know, let's just do this in Jesus' name. But it's one of the you other for the, the girls who don't know, Mike is CEO of Open Doors. He's a good guy, he's a family man. He has a beautiful wife called Sheridan, who's a midwife, two beautiful young girls. And so in a few moments, um, you know, Mike is gonna actually share with us, and I'm excited about that. But back to the praise reports, <clears throat> just a couple of things to note, girls. It is um, Global Mental Health Month around the world. And so across most spectrums of society, there is awareness being um visited when it comes to mental health, obviously, and as a church, um, we want to be in that space as well. So I just want you to know, sweetheart, um, you know, wherever you are at or people that you know in your world, we actually do have some amazing pathways. Our pastors and our team are present to help and to point people in the right direction. And don't ever be afraid to put your hand up and say, you know what, I'm actually struggling a little bit because it's a little bit the climate of the world right now. That's one thing. But the second thing is that on Monday, it was um inter- International Day of the Girl Child. And every month, uh, pretty much every week, there is some form of international awareness of some description and we can't give, you know... um, voice to all of them but this one's important the international day of the girl child and on at on the at color sisterhood um instagram and site um there's always information that we can go to to be um, aware to be praying to be involved um there's a blog on there right now in context of this but here's the praise part. i mean i finally got you. here's the praise report. Praise report. Uh, This month, we were able to, as a Colour Sisterhood, send $130,000 to Watoto in Uganda for their Keep a Girl in School program. So many of you are aware of that. So, you know, um, over the years, literally hundreds of thousands, if not several million dollars, have been raised through that Colour Sisterhood for different initiatives and needs around the world. But this is just money that's just been coming in. I think girls have been finding those like um, freedom tins and sending them in and what have you. So that is a great praise report that if you're in the chat, go amen. So we're sending that to Uganda. And again, the Keep a Girl in School Programme Is about young women, um, young girls when, (coughs) excuse me, when they um, begin to have their menstrual cycle, uh, their period, and they don't have any supplies, they don't have any resources, and so many of them, because of that, drop out of school. So being able to facilitate that and help them get through this, you know, (laughs) for every stage of their lives um, is really important when it comes to um, education of girls in the world, which we know makes a difference when it comes to poverty and nations. So praise God to every one of you who has contributed over the years on that. Amen. All right, like I said, two amazing people with me um, this morning and in a moment Mike's going to share. But um, Cass, I would just love you to pray for this morning and pray for the girls.
1: Yeah, I would love to. And that's a great praise report, Bob. I know going crazy and I reckon people are cheering everywhere. So okay girls let's pray. Okay Father God we thank you for another day for new days and new mercies for your goodness and your kindness and your grace. Lord we ask that you would meet with us here today that you would walk alongside us that you would open our eyes to your way that you would carry our burdens with us. God fill our hearts teach us to love truth. I thank you for your girls across our nation and across the world who are listening today. I pray that this Mm -hmm. would be encouraging 45 minutes, Lord, for you um, stirring us a hunger for you and you equip us to fight good fights with a passion. (coughs) I pray you would bless Bobby's words and Mike's words, that they would be rich and full of you and that they would honour you and bring you glory. We bless you today in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. What a prayer you are. Amen. Heartfelt. Beautiful. All right. So girls, just give me a few moments here because um, it's important. And I think all you girls know, maybe guys who are directing the TV, if you could put me into that different space, because I'm getting a bit scrambled with all the boxes, um, into the bigger space, girls, so I can see. <laughs> Thank you. A little technical direction happening here from Auntie Bobby. Um You know, because the nature of um, these tables is always to bring a devotional thought and then obviously gather voices around and just speak into that together. So I'm just going to take a quick thread from last week and weave it into this week because, girls, I actually do not believe that God is finished with us when it comes to prayer, when it comes to Him stirring up the gift and the power and the blessing and the effect of prayer within us. And, you know, last week I made a comment about revival. You know, I said revival usually comes. I mean, you might think, now what actually is revival? Well, I think in a nutshell, revival is when God's heart is poured out into a situation or a or a, or a space but you know i said last week that revival usually comes when someone is on their knees when someone is on the knees, whether that's a righteous or a right standing person um, crying out to God for his will to be be known in the land or whether that's an individual person who's perhaps broken and searching searching and seeking and they're just like crying out to this God in heaven that suddenly they realise they need. And so, you know what, as a devotional this morning, I just want to make a couple of bold statements, if I may, as your friend and pastor. I just want to say, number one, that I believe that God, I know this could sound like obvious, but I want to say that I believe that God <clears throat> is teaching His people to pray perhaps like never before and for a reason. He is teaching His people on the earth right now to pray like never before and for a reason. And, you know, imagine, guys, imagine of every single Christ follower, every single believer, every single Christian on the earth hallelujah imagine if we just took time even today tonight to humble ourselves and to pray and to seek his face imagine what would happen imagine what good would be released on the earth imagine what would be unleashed in the heavenlies and you know I believe firmly that authority you know, Dr. Robin um, last week and Julie, but Dr. Robin, you know, talked about the authority that we have in Christ. Do you know, I believe that authority in the heavenly realm is real. Authority in the heavenly realm is real. The courts of heaven are real. And, you know, on the weekend, the last two weekends, Brian has been preaching about from the book of Job. And in all serious, so it's intense, I know, but if Satan can march himself into the courts, the throne of God, and then challenge the integrity and challenge the faith of someone on earth, then you know what? You and I, in Christ, in the authority that we have because of what Christ has done, we can march ourselves into the throne room of God. We can come before Him with humility of heart, align ourselves with Jesus, who is our chief intercessor these days, amen. He sits at the right hand of God interceding for us and we can align with Him and align with His heart and actually execute things on the earth. So I believe God is teaching us to pray and I am glad that the Holy Spirit is leading us as a sisterhood right now to stay in this space. Second, I want to say that I believe that we are ramping up into something new and profound. And I know that's easy to say, but it's true. God is doing a new thing. You know, Ecclesiastes says nothing is new under the sun. But when God says, behold, I am doing a new thing, um, in truthfulness, usually that is because He is doing a new thing in us as individuals so He can do a grander thing on the earth according to His timeless will and purpose. And there is coming a day in Revelation or the end of time where God's going to go, hey, I'm actually really doing a new thing. But in the meantime, it's new things within you and I so He can do more in Jesus' name. And third, I just believe that um. I really do. And I haven't, I'm not saying this lightly. I believe that every single God-given, God-ordained promise over you, over your life and over the church of Jesus Christ on the earth has not been quenched in this season. It has not been quenched, but rather, listen to me, and I know I sound like a broken record on this sometimes. Rather, it is being shaken and refined and refired again so that vessels of honour emerge in all truthfulness and as I was preparing on Monday for this I just found myself in this landscape do you know I I I believe that dross dross is rising to the surface dross has been drawn to the surface dross is being drawn to the surface and um I feel like the Lord is saying hey do not consume the dross again do not reconsume consume or eat that dross that has risen out of your life, but rather walk in renewed and refined faith and walk in renewed and refined love for Jesus. You know what dross is? Dross is actually defined as impurities. It is the rubbish. It is what the Bible calls the chaff, the chaff. Chaff is what you get between your legs when you put on too much weight and you walk in humidity. But chaff, wheat and chaff, chaff that's what the Bible speaks so clearly about that. And, um, again, I just want to encourage you girls, if dross has risen to the surface in you, let it fall off. Let it fall off like the chains that, that contain us. You know, we sing, we've sung a great worship song, Chains, what is it, Chains Fall Off? <laughs> Will Break. What's the Chains Fall Off song? Chains Be Broken. Hear the chains Falling. Yes, chains falling, chains be broken, hallelujah. Memories of colour are coming back with an army of women, singing that like there's no tomorrow. But like to come back, if dross has risen in you, let it fall off and walk forward in Jesus' name. So the verse that I accidented into in preparing surprised me a little bit. I didn't plan to go here, but I read this great verse in um, 1 Peter and I want to read it to you girls if I may hallelujah and it's a potent the book of Peter is potent I am um, the, the entire two chapters two books rather in fact last night I lay in bed very late and with my phone and I actually read first and second Peter on my phone because who doesn't love a backlight hallelujah but um it's profoundly beautiful and it's potent because it's talking about this new reality and this new birth and this new covenant that we live in. And here, this one verse stood out to me, and it says, um, even though lately you've had to put up with the grief of many trials, how profound is that? Even though lately you've had to put up with the grief of many trials, these only reveal the sterling core of your faith. These only reveal the sterling core of your faith, which is far more valuable than gold that perishes. Here it is. For even gold is refined by fire. For even gold is refined by fire. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to encourage you girls, you know what? You girls, so many of you, if not the vast majority of you listening today, you are gold. There is gold within you. You are beautiful. Your love for Jesus is gold hallelujah your devotion and commitment is gold your due diligence with what God has entrusted and put in your hand is gold you know your story thus far the story of God beginning a good work in you and being committed to complete that good work in you if you so allow is gold yet God is saying here yet even gold is refined because sometimes people think, why? Why am I feeling this? Why am I going through this? Why is my our church, it's like being put through the fire? Well, you know what? Gold, even gold is refined in the fire. And the scripture continues. I'm nearly done. The scripture continue, continues. And it says, um, your authentic faith, again, when refined again and again and again, will result in even more praise and more glory and more honour when Jesus, the anointed one, is revealed. Beautiful. More. That's why the gold is refined in the fire. In the message it says, even though you have put up with every kind of aggravation, listen, pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering, comes out proved genuine. And that's what God is doing. When Jesus wraps us all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will put, that God will have on display as listen, evidence of his victory evidence of his victory. So, girls, I just simply this morning as a devotional, I want to encourage you again to let his joy be your joy, let his victory be your victory, but also in context of this month, in context of our mission and our mandate, allow his burden for this world to be your burden also. So on that note, hallelujah, we have Mike here with us. And I believe um, that Mike, um, you know, I believe your I believe Mike's story is full of gold and I believe that Mike's story encompasses so much of our heart towards God where we want to be a company of women alert to God's heart when it comes to children orphans sisters and nations. So, Mike, I am handing the table to you right now, and I am grateful yet again, and I would love you just to tell your story, inspire the woman as you see fit from that, and then also, because we've all been chatting, just share a couple of wisdom, thoughts, um, things that you've experienced about prayer. So, um, girls, if you're on the chat line, why don't we just like do a clap emoji and just welcome um, Mr. Mike Gore to the table? Oh,
2: <laughs> Amazing, Bobby. You're a hard act to follow. I'm not sure I've got any jokes to do with chafing or anything like that. But um, my hope is uh, that that at least you know the next little while it might be something that helps tie in to where um, you're going as as a as a group of women, you know and. And hope is an encouragement for each of you watching today. You know, I had the great privilege in the last 10 years of, through the work of Open Doors, spending a lot of time in the Middle East, you know, in countries like Syria and Iraq, countries where I've basically seen all but a generation of men wiped out, right? And so in that moment, uh, on whose shoulders does the spiritual legacy of nations fall? falls onto the shoulders of women, right? Mothers, grandmothers, daughters. And I think often we can live in a society and culture that wants to place a hierarchy around your spiritual self-worth and value. And my hope is that over the next sort of 15 minutes, we can take a journey together to show you that it doesn't matter what gender you are because God can use each of you. And as women, I'll tell you what, one of the most transformative churches in the world and on the planet in this moment is the Middle Eastern church. And it is led by predominantly courageous women and so my hope is this morning, it's a little bit of an encouragement for you as we wrestle through our own life story and, um, and maybe God, how God shapes and uses us. Bobby, I love that you said, you know, you're a company of women alert to God's heart when it comes to orphans, children, sisters, nations. And, and as we get to my story, you know, I'm a walking, talking example of that, you know, orphans, sisters, nations, and again, the role that women play in that. But I think before we get to that, I'd love to just have a quick chat. I mean, one of of the goals that you were talking to me about was to make a way for God's heart in the world. Now, I think that is a beautiful picture of the Christian walk. But how do you make a way for God's heart in the world? Well, for me, I think before we get to story and testimony, it's about empathy, right? And I think empathy is one of those words, Bobby, that these days it's thrown around as like a heroic word, but actually Too often people are left feeling like either they have it or they don't. Empathy, I think, is one of the most powerful things on the planet, but what is empathy made up of? Well, in my view, it is made up of equal parts self-belief because, remember, if you can't love yourself, you probably can't care for others. And trust, the currency of all true relationships But here's the thing that I've learned as part of my journey and story is too often we look at things like empathy, self-belief, trust, as either I have them or I don't. One of the most freeing ways that I've ever learned to look at those elements is a scale, 0 to 10, right, either nothing or 10 being everything because the reality is it's not a question of whether you have it or whether you don't have it. It's a scale. And now when it comes to empathy, it is directly, in my view, proportionate to self-belief and trust and in so many ways I think empathy is best built off a foundation of sufficiency in Christ because if we don't well emotions like jealousy, envy, fear and ego they're just normal emotions that constantly kind of draw us away from responding empathetically to those around us and if we're not careful it leads us into all of those things that we all wrestle with things like self-pity, entitlement justification of viewpoint man I'll tell you what looking around society today has there ever been a a, a more you know sort of strong worded response to people wanting to say hey you need to see it my way not yours and so I think as you find sufficiency in Christ for all of us whether we're male or female you also find contentment in oneself and when you find contentment, it's when then that you're truly able to empathize empathize with the world around you, and so I think that's sort of the umbrella by which prayer and life in Christ outwork the the umbrella of empathy built by an awareness of self belief and trust in equal parts. As far as my story goes, and I guess hopefully my journey into self belief and empathy. I was born in 1981 in India. I was born as a Hindu. And I was abandoned at birth. Now, from what I understand is that my biological mother had fallen pregnant with me out of wedlock. Within the caste system in India, that's an incredibly insulting thing to have happen. So I was abandoned at birth. I was placed into an orphanage, but I was unable to be adopted because the caste system would tell you that whatever you have done in your previous life, it determines the circumstances amidst which you were born. And so for me to be abandoned at birth and dumped on a doorstep suggested that I had done something fairly horrific in my previous life. In 1977, Bobby, a family in Australia, they had two biological daughters of their own. It was four years before I was born. They applied for an adoption, a Christian family, and over the coming four years they heard a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of red tape, but nothing conclusive about an adoption. In 1981, the year that I was born, actually, they decided on giving up on adopting a child closing the chapter, moving on. So they spent the money that they had saved on that adoption um, on a trip to America as a way of sort of closing the chapter and forgetting about the idea of adopting a child. While this was happening, a lady in the orphanage that I was in took a liking to me, a nurse, and she's not a Christian. She smuggled me across a state border one night. She bribed some nuns with cash to say that I was dumped on their doorstep. She asked that they would change my birth certificate so that I could be adopted under that state's law. Now, this family in Australia, they got back from their trip to America. They got a phone call saying the adoption's gone through and your son will be at the airport at the weekend. Now, they are a Christian family, Bobby, but I can probably pretty much assure you that night that were not necessarily gripped with, you know, spirituality. They were gripped with fear mm-hmm. because I remember they said, well, we had no money. We'd spend everything we had on our trip to America with our two daughters. Anyway, that night they prayed about it. The next day, uh, my mum was driving a car. She had a car crash with the two daughters in it, my sisters, without a scratch or a bruise to anyone. The car was ridden off and she said, Mike, what was a miracle was that two days later, the day before you arrived in Sydney, the insurance money had been returned to our bank account and she said it was to the exact dollar that was needed to pay for your adoption. Not Uh, a dollar more,
0: not a little
2: less. Amazing, right? And I think, you know, from there my life went on to growing up in the Sutherland Shire and um, and I've had lots of adversity, lots of challenges, lots of racial stuff. Right? Yeah. But what I can say is that I am a passionate believer that there is no hierarchy in testimony. Yeah. Right? Because God's story, no matter how elaborate it may be, you might, I mean, you may have just grown up in a Christian home, but that doesn't make it any less valuable. And I think one of the real wrestles we face in our culture is that the more we create hierarchy within testimony, the more we limit self-belief in others. And I think when we think about empathy and we come back to that piece around empathy and making a way for God's heart in the world, if one of the biggest barriers to that is self-belief, then we need to be careful that we don't glorify the story more than God's role in the story. And so, again, I'm hoping that anyone watching this, it's not about being smuggled across borders. It's about trusting that no matter where you find yourself today, it is because God has orchestrated the story in your life. And our job is to outwork it with the most passion, the most courage, and the most trust we can to those around us. And so I think that's, I guess, my story. But then I want to quickly dive in with time to to the idea of self-belief because I touched on it a little bit. You know, it's taken me a long time to become comfortable with my story, Bobby. Even, yeah, no. even today, you know, I wrestle around the authenticity of it. You hear bits and pieces from India. Is it right? Is it true? Is it? I mean, all of these things. But then in addition to that, you've got all of the wrestles around self-belief and identity. I mean, we don't need to go into it too much, but I'll tell you what, racial abuse, it is still part, not of my every day, but my every year. You know, I've grown up with racism my whole life. I remember being in school as the only brown kid in a white school, walking across a playground in year four and a girl walking up to me and saying, "You're black mother, and spitting all over me. I can tell you story after story about things that have really pushed against any sense of creating self-belief. And so what I wanted to encourage you today with um. is sort of really three ways that over that journey of life 40 years on, how I've built self-belief, because I think one of the key ways to change the world is to first learn to love yourself. The Bible talks about it. Love your neighbour as yourself, right? It's not a crime to love yourself. But how do we do that? How do we work our way to finding it? And I think number one for me has been to play only what's in front of you, to play only what's in front of you, not the heartache or the shame of the past, not the fear of the future, but... To number one, play what is only in front of me. The second step would be for me is to respond consciously. Right in that moment, that's where the shaping is. It's when the reality of what's in front of you collides with your your response is where the shaping happens. And you talk about refining and gold. You know that's the wrestle is that you can only play like Joe. What's in front of you and how you respond consciously is where the shaping begins. When you respond you develop character and Mm. character leads to self-belief. And I think that's that's a little lesson I've learned over those 40 years of finding identity and comfort in my story is that to to only play what's in front of me, to respond consciously and let it shape me in the process of doing that to build character, because I know ultimately that leads to self-belief, right? And I think that's one of the really key parts um, for us in life. But how does all of that relate to prayer? is that I would say that to make a way for God's heart in the world, well, you need empathy, but you can't do it. In fact, empathy is foundational to prayer. Remember, it's made up of both self-belief and trust. You need to have sufficiency in Christ for your prayer to be powerful. You need to find an element of self-belief and trust in your story, knowing that it's ultimately God's story. We need to know that prayer is not easy In fact, I'm not sure that prayer was ever meant to be easy, but I can tell you what, it is beautiful because it's got the duality that allows it to be both a sword and a shield. It delivers justice and comfort and ultimately changes the heart of everyone involved. And so for me, when I think about this morning, Bobby, You know, you're ramping up into the new and the profound. You talk about the idea of God promises over your life, shaken, refined, vessels of honour emerging. Well, my hope is this morning is an encouragement to say to you, your story is God's story. Self-belief is foundational to changing the world around you, that it is three powerful women that has built and shaped me into who I am, a woman who had the courage to abandon me at birth, it seems... Countercultural, or all like an oxymoron, but I'll tell you what, had she not been obedient to abandon me, who knows where I would be. Yeah. A woman who was a nurse and not a Christian who smuggled me across a border and a family in Australia who was obedient enough and selfless enough to invite me into their family to help outwork God's story in my life, you know, and then two sisters that embraced me as their own and helped me find a sense of identity and contentment in my life story. You know, the role that you play as women, man, it is undeniable. Don't ever undervalue the role that you play as women because it is women who have shaped my life. And today I'm here because of that. So, Bobby, I hope that's an encouragement for you. Is that the kind of thing you are hoping for?
0: Yeah, look at my notes. It was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, um, there was so much in that. My mind is actually spinning because when you listen to someone like yourself, Share what you just shared. You know, your mind goes, Oh my gosh, I want to go there with that. I want to, I want to, I want to thread here and there and what have you. Um, I am, I am so grateful. I, I actually want to just honor all those people in your life. I mean, you're giving honor just right then, but you're right. Like your, your story reads. It reads like a movie and I say that in the the purest sense. It reminds me of that incredible story that became a movie called Lion. Do you remember that? I remember sitting at the end of a colour conference um, between the two conferences tucked up in my bed in the hotel and I watched that and it just stirred my heart even even more and i know you're saying there's no hierarchy in testimony we all have testimony and some testimonies seem grander than others but they're not they are all testimony to the love of god and the power of god and i know Mike that i always say you know our challenges might look different our stories might look different but we all go through something in life that brings us to the same conclusion which is that god is faithful and god is good and trustworthy like you say and so I am deeply appreciative of the goal that you actually just shared with the girls and I'm pretty confident, I hope, that um, those listening in are like amen and yes. Cass, you have, um, you have a great friendship with Mike and you have a great passion when it comes to the part of his life that is open doors. Is there anything that you want to like draw out of your friend here? Yeah, am I allowed to ask
1: some questions? Good. So, Mike, um, I first heard that story. You and I went out for coffee and you told me your testimony. I actually came to hear about Open Doors and you told me that story and I realised why you were doing what you were doing, like how God had orchestrated um, hardship and challenges so that you could relate to the persecuted church. And I like, I would like to ask, like, in that conversation, we started talking about how you watched people in the persecuted church under the most extreme hardship um, deliver Bibles being chased at gunpoint in cars and like you told ridiculous stories of the faithfulness of people in the most ridiculous circumstances and I want to know how prayer and hardship actually work together like in impossible situations how do you even start praying for these things?
2: Yeah look that's that's a really great question I think too often what we found in the western world is that or in my journey anyway with open doors is that my understanding of faith it's almost like in western cultures and to be clear it's not that the church here gets it wrong we wake up thinking how can we best serve the lord but the persecuted church it pushes my idea of acceptable christianity to its limits right because their their viewpoint on faith is so vastly different to mine and and i think what i've learned is that you know, the longer that I measure my proximity to God based off his provision of safety, the further I find myself from an authentic faith. So what I want to say to you, Cass, is I'm like, you say to me, how are you doing? I'm like, if my life is going well, I said, oh, man, God is good and I'm just, you know, I'm close to him, I'm hanging on. Whereas a persecuted church, they would say that suffering, is not a betrayal of the gospel, it's the essence of the gospel. The suffering isn't an absence of God, it's a drawing near of God. And I think that's kind of the beautiful paradox of the persecuted church is that it's almost like everything that I, I know and I learn, I need to sort of do opposite. But it doesn't lead me just further from God. It leaves me closer to him. And so as far as prayer goes for them, it is. It's a sword and a shield. It's a, a way that they go, you know what, I'm going to fight all the things that I can't stand up to in prayer in those spiritual heavenly realms, and I'm also going to put up that shield to say, God, I need you as my defence, you know, in those moments. And so courage, as weird as it sounds, it comes through prayer.
1: Mm. I love that. Um, I think you texted Bobby and I. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this, so I will talk in vague terms. <laughs> um, we were talking about Afghanistan and the Taliban and the recent events that have happened there, and you were telling the story of a, uh, a family who was there and had had a baby girl and who had decided to actually stay in Afghanistan as, I think, a beacon of hope. And while they're struggling to share faith and those sort of things, they wrote to you at the end of it, we'll meet you at the throne of God in prayer where we'll commune with each other. And I thought that was such a beautiful picture of what prayer is, that it's me and you and people who we don't even know meeting at the throne of God and sharing our stories and our burdens and our struggles together. Like, I don't know if you want to talk to that, but I loved that picture and I love how it partners with what Bobby was talking about when it came to um, we're refined as gold and the refining actually is a process of God's love for us.
2: Yeah, look, uh, that's one of the most beautiful stories, I guess, coming out of that region of the world at the moment that I've heard is that this family, the same day the Taliban overtook Kabul, they welcomed a baby girl into their lives. And for them as Christians, I mean, it's, it's a life or death situation in that nation. Um, and listening to them talk and share about um, how to pray in those situations. You know they said, just pray the scriptures. If you don't if you don't know the word, just pray the Bible. You know, pray that these kind of people would rise up. but then then the wife sort of said to us, hey you know what, we'll meet together in the throne room of God, and there we'll take communion. Um, the persecuted church, they it's just a beautiful picture of unity and togetherness, the one-body analogy. I remember there was a brother who had been imprisoned in Russia for sort of 15-plus years, and a good friend of mine had been praying for him while he was imprisoned. Now, we happened to be in the US, and and he was coming to an event at Open Doors, and my friend sort of was like, man, I cannot wait to meet him. And and she saw him coming in and went over and said, Joseph, it's just so wonderful to meet you. And, um, and he says, okay, and she said, I prayed for you um, when you were in jail. And he looked at and reached out to her and he says, No, lovely to see you again. And he gave her this beautiful embrace. And she said, No, 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 I've, I've never met you. And he said, No, when you prayed for me, we met. Lovely to meet you again. All right. Or well, lovely to see you again. And I just thought it was a beautiful picture of the way that unity, although you may never meet people, it does provide a sense of family and togetherness. Wow. I
1: love that so much. Wow. Bob, do you want to jump in?
0: Yeah. Um, well, only because it's been so rich and, um, yeah, I uh, time is awesome. We we aim to always finish around about 10.40, 10.45. But, um, I mean, is there something else on your heart you want to, like, draw out of, Mike, Cass? Because otherwise I'll round it up. I'm not going to always keep asking questions, but I'm happy for you to round it up too, I feel <laughs> Well, maybe, and we'll get Mike to pray for us, but um, I, I love that you brought up that story, Cass, the, the story that you just shared, Mike, about, you know, the family in um, Afghanistan, and I'm, it makes it made me think again to that comment I made about the courtrooms of heaven and the throne room of heaven. And I, you know, I love the fact that God, Has we are stirring girls, we are stirring up the measure within us that God has called us to be a force for good on the earth, that He has called us um, to be um, a prayer, an army of, of, um, you know, His daughters who know our identity and our authority and our place and our position, Um, an army of women who know how to pray. And I just am thinking, you know, wouldn't it be fun if you know, like can you just imagine heaven, the throne room of heaven where God is? I mean, he is present with us, he is omnipresent and he is all knowing, etc. But you know, there he resides in heaven, the throne, room, it's a mystery that we'll one day encounter. But I can just imagine. His delight when we all decide to go to our knees and begin to really pray as God has called us to pray, like we've been exhorting one another. And just, you know, this I can just see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit of God going, Oh, wow, here they all come storming heaven, storming the throne room, coming to that place with multiple, multiple, um, multiple. Multi- what is it? Multitudes of others, hallelujah, from around the world. It's that whole image of that murmuration gathering. And and I just, I just feel that the Spirit of God is compelling us to stir these revelations up again in our spirit and um come to the throne room in Jesus' name. So Mike, I just want to thank you for um your testimony and your life and your story and your willingness to come on. We um we honor you and esteem you. And I know that there's a lot of girls who are just gonna take you um and open doors and your ministry to heart and they're gonna be sensitive to the spirit of God to pray. I mean, I, you know, I I often I, you know, I looked at your post last night, I saw your post come up on my on my phone and you know, you had a number of prayer requests that were hectic. You know, it's like how to pray for, you know, you had a whole bunch of different nations, and then you're like, you know, they were like, pray for the pray for children, you know, abducted by terrorists. I mean, to be honest, that is not something that you can just swipe past, but sometimes that we find ourselves in that space. We're like, how can I just swipe past that and move on? And so, you know, I I just feel that, you know, we need to learn to. We need to discipline ourselves to still ourselves and to to be present in that moment and to stand alongside. And so um, again, grateful. Thank you Cass for always being there. And I think it would be great Mike um, for you just to pray for um, the individuals listening on today and and just pray for us as a sisterhood that God would continue as a church, that God would continue to stir his heart within us. Is that okay?
2: I'd love to. Yeah. And look, Thanks so much for having me along. My my hope is for for all of the people watching today, your story has the most power to those who know you best. It took me a long time to get comfortable with mine and my sneaking suspicion is there's Mm -hmm. some watching this who are yet to get comfortable with theirs. But the beauty of God is that he is a God who knows us, who loves us and who works all things for the good of those who love him. It doesn't mean our stories are easy. It doesn't mean um, the future won't be hard. But when we learn to play what's in front of us, to respond consciously and to build character, I promise you it will be transformative to the world. And so I I really hope that there is someone out there today that's an encouragement to, that your story, it has value. It may not feel like it, but it does. And so let me pray for us. Um, it's been a great honour to be with you this morning. Father, we come before you today and I thank you, as always, for the great privilege it is to know you. Lord, I pray for each of the women watching this call, that you would pour a blessing out over their lives, over their households and over their families. Lord, I pray that they would see that women can be spiritual leaders, that they can drive forward with the values and the love of God in community and to the world around them. Lord, I speak self-belief into the lives of people who in this moment are questioning life story, past hurts, shame, embarrassment, Lord, fears of the future. God, I ask that you would give them the wisdom and the peace to just play what's in front of them, to find a way to shape and build character, knowing that it leads to legacy. And so, God, I just thank you for the movement of women all over the world who are driven by a heart to reach out to the widows, to the orphans, to the children, to the sisters, to the nations. And so, God, thank you for that. And we pray that we would always be humble enough to listen to your voice in our lives and courageous enough to act on us. Give us the word, give us the wisdom, and give us the posture needed to serve the communities around us. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much. Hey, girls, just before we go, um, at Hillsong Church, we always want to give people an opportunity to open their heart to the love of God, and we don't want to, like, let this morning go without doing that. And I don't know where you're at. You might be watching from somewhere far, far near or far, but you know what? You don't have a confidence within you of this God that we've been talking about, and the truth is he loves you. Father God, your heavenly Father loves you. And there is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit draws us to truth. And the Son of God, Jesus, He laid down His life for the likes of you and I. He took the gap. He took the fall for you and I so that we could be restored back over this deep chasm that has separated. Sin, yeah, let's just call it what it is. Sin and independence creates this gap, this... Um, this divide and so Jesus came to bridge that divide and all you need to do to come home to God to come back into truth to come back into a knowing that you are loved of God and seen all the things that we've been talking about today is to open your heart with simplicity and say Jesus Christ I open my heart to you tonight to today right now allow me just to lead you in a simple prayer John 3 16 says for God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And his desire towards you is life in Jesus' name. So, if you want to pray this with us at the end, we're all going to pray together. You have many friends here today, but just pray this prayer in your heart with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and that you came for my life. I open my heart to you today. I ask you to come in and cleanse me and forgive me and make me new like your word says. I receive you today, Lord, as my Lord and my Saviour. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, amen. That is the best decision you could ever make. I made that at 15 years of age. I'm now 64. Can you believe that? But I am, and it's the best decision you will ever make. And so if you're online with us um, or in a room, if you're in one of the rooms gathered, our beautiful campus pastors there, our hosts, are going to take, will take this decision further for you. Amen. But um, if you're online, there's a mechanism in the online whatever, and... um, just say, I made that decision today. And they they can help you go forward in that, amen. Well, it's been a good morning. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. And again, I just want to say thank you, Mike. Thank you, Kaz. Thank you, team. And thank you, girls, for coming out. And um, it's going to be a great day in Jesus' name, amen. If you're part of creative, what? creative team night tonight and we've got worshiping creative conference coming up and it's going to be very, very exciting in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Stay connected. Love you girls. Have a great afternoon in Jesus' name. See you later. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.